I get so nervous in the intro. Don't. I'm always like, oh my god, don't. Um, oh god, my earphones. Get my earphones in. Okay. Do you want me to not look at you? Will that make it easier for you? It actually will. Okay, okay please oh, look. don't look at me. <laughs> Did I get up? Don't look at me every day. <laughs> Mean girl scene when I hear that. <laughs> Don't look at me. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> Hi guys and welcome to the second episode of It's a Lot with Abby Chatfield. I just wanted to start it off by thanking all of you for listening. Um, That sounds really corny and cheesy but we did so well on the charts the first week. I was just blown away. I couldn't believe this amount of support that I got. I thought there would be maybe 20 of you listening, but we now have a Facebook group called It's A Lot with Abby Chatfield podcast group. Um, you can find it on Facebook um, or there's also a link in the description of the Instagram It's Lot pod. So if you want to join in there, there are some great discussions going. There are tea threads. There are women talking about issues they're having with, you know, sexism at work or in their general lives. So there are some great things going on there as a little support network. Um, I also just wanted to say that amongst this coronavirus horrible, horrible time that we're all in with, you know, people are dying, people are sick, there's economic crash on the horizon. That wasn't very positive, I'm sorry, but the positivity that I have, the little slice that I can give you is that I'm going to have two episodes this week and really it's going to be three because today's episode is about an hour and a half long, so I was going to make it into two episodes, but I decided to just keep it as one to keep those people out there who are in quarantine or self-isolating or have um, cancelled plans because of, you know, um, social distancing which is now a phrase that I've heard far too many times in my life. Uh, A week ago, we would have no idea what that means, right? Um, But this episode, I do also want to mention quickly, does contain conversation about eating disorders, depression, anxiety, um, and I think I mentioned suicide once. So if that is a trigger for you, please don't listen to this episode. And there will be a second episode out on Thursday for this reason. That's why I've given you guys these two episodes this week, because I know that some of you may not be able to listen to this one um, due to the content within it. This week, I talked to Phoebe Parsons, who is the host of her podcast, Confessions of a Trainwreck. She's fucking fabulous. I went on her podcast a few months ago. I just love her. got along with her so well. Um, we had a lot of wine after this. She basically goes through her journey with her eating disorder. It is her own personal experience. So I, I'm hoping that no one would come for her or try to like cancel her or say that she, what she was saying was insensitive. She's talking about her personal experience. I honestly was learning in this podcast. I have never really spoken in depth to anyone about their an eating disorder to this degree so anything that I ask may be insensitive I apologise I genuinely was learning I do say some things and then I apologise to Phoebe that they were silly questions so I'm trying my best here guys Um, hope you understand that now something kind of fun that Phoebe and I thought of while we were doing this was I was basically explaining about body positivity and how 
you know, how sometimes you take about a hundred photos of yourself and you're like, oh, the one isn't in there. The perfect one isn't in there. And you won't upload anything or you'll just have 400 photos on your phone of the same photo, basically. And then you get one, you're like, that's it. My hip looks a little bit wider and that my, my waist looks a little bit thinner or whatever you are looking for in your ideal body. And lately I've been trying to only take about 20 photos, not because I think it's narcissistic, not because there's anything wrong with taking heaps of photos, but because for myself, I know that I become more confident when I upload photos that aren't maybe perfect in my eyes. And then I see that the reaction that I get is no different to usual. And therefore, I'm more confident in myself moving through the world. So if you guys take photos of yourself where you feel like you're like, you know, like a 7 out of 10, not a 10, you feel good, but you're not like, wow, I'm going to spend an extra hour trying to get this photo. I just want to look happy, healthy, and spend my time doing things that I love. Upload the photo, tag myself, the podcast, um, and Phoebe as well. I leave all of our handles in the description of this podcast and hashtag you got the shot that's what you want to do so hashtag you got the shot and hopefully i'll see some of your gorgeous faces bodies bootays um whatever your gorgeous things all right so let's get into it that was a very long intro but um let's do it stay safe Mwah. Hello and welcome to It's A Lot with Abby Chatfield and today our guest is Phoebe Parsons. How are you, Phoebe? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, Phoebe has her own podcast called Confessions of a Trainwreck and we're both proudly trainwrecks. I was on her (laughs) podcast a few months ago. Yeah. A few weeks yeah, ago. a few weeks ago. Oh, but well. I had to preface it by saying I don't think you're a train wreck. That's not why I have people necessarily on the podcast. Mm. But I am a train wreck. I mean, we're drinking wine. As we're sitting Are we here. Are to say that? Drink, yeah, oh no, we're always drinking wine. Like the whole preface of this whole podcast is like having wine with your friends. Oh, great. Um, so you have a beautiful, beautiful podcast. You speak about some really important topics. I love listening to it. It's like what I want this one to be, where it's like hearing your friend talk about things and yeah. really deep things, but in a lighthearted way that isn't so clinical. Like I was texting yesterday being like, this is amazing. Mm. And um, today we're going to talk about uh, something that you've spoken about a little bit on your podcast. And I'm so grateful you're talking to me about it right now because it will help so many girls, I think. And that is your eating disorder. Yes. But before that, we're going to have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> Please, because let's ease into it. We're gonna have like three glasses of wine, and Fantastic. then I'll be like, shush, shush, shush. <laughs> So, the first question I ask everyone every time is, "What's been a lot for you this week, this month, lately?" Okay, I'm gonna say, "What's been a lot for me in the last few weeks mm. is moving house because yes. we are sitting in my new apartment. Oh my god, in the beautiful podcast. It's like a specific podcast. Okay, room. but can I just say to you? This did not look like this when I left the house this morning. So I have recently, I think about two weeks ago, moved in with my boyfriend. And we, when we looked at this apartment, we we were going to, like, we had a vision to set this room up as a podcasting studio. Mm -hmm. And when I left the house this morning, it was still packed to the rafters full of boxes. It kind of became our storage room. Mm -hmm. 
And he knew that you were coming over tonight to record. And I walked into the apartment about 10 minutes before you arrived because I was just going to set us up in the kitchen. Like, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. We've got wine. (laughs) We're close to the fridge for wine. Walked into the apartment and he'd set up this desk, the chairs, the lamp, plants. So I actually have to say, in saying that, like it's been a lot moving, but I haven't really done that much. He's done everything. He sounds so, amazing. Girls, if I have advice for you, move in with your boyfriend. I mean, I need to get a boyfriend first, but I like that's the goal. <laughs> How does it feel moving in with him? Is this the first time you've lived with a partner? It is, and I'm 30. Yeah, I've never lived with anyone either. Yeah, it's wild. Crazy. It's so fun though. Is I it? actually feel like I'm adulting for the first time. Kind of do you text him like being like, like grown ups? What do you want for dinner? Like, head, <laughs> you're like, well, I'm like a grown up. I try to do that, but I don't cook. He does, so it's possible. <laughs> him being so, like, what do you want for dinner? So he's he cooks, moving. He's he cleans. Cooking. He sets up the podcasting studio. The plants as well. The plants are all his. Yeah. I don't know what to do with them. He's going away for four days in a couple of weeks, and I don't know what I want to do with the plants. But have you seen there's an app where you can see what the plant needs? You can take a photo of the plant. I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen the living room, but there's about eighty out there. Yeah, I mean, you can take eighty <laughs> photos of the plants, and it tells you. If it needs like different soil, or if it needs like more sunlight, or if it needs more um, water, is the word. I, I, wonder, I'm, I'm a I wonder if you can hire like a plant sitter on Airtasker. Oh, sure. I can't kill the plants. That's the, like the one thing I can do for him. They're expensive. They are expensive. So um, that's really interesting. I haven't lived with a partner either, and I wanted my ex to move in for so long, but we all, we were together for like. Um, we still kind of are together on and off for like three years up to I like, love that. Yeah. No, it's tragic. It's tragic. <laughs> it's not tragic. We had it's a real. Fight. We had a fight today because he unfollowed me on Instagram. I mean, that's not very boyfriend of him. No, he's not my boyfriend, but he's like, but he's like my ex-boyfriend that I am obsessed with and everyone knows I love him. Like I've done three episodes of this and I refer to him as my boyfriend that I love so much. Fantastic. Ex-boyfriend that I love so much. Fuck, see. It's like, it's like a 40 <laughs> and slip. It is a 40 and slip. <laughs> It's like my boyfriend. Oh my! And then I people like ask me like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, oh, "I'm going to my my ex boyfriend's house," but you don't understand. So we all have. I had one of those exactly from the age when I was like 25 to about oh yeah, hmm, sort of last year. So yeah, I, need I to think get every out of it. every girl has one of them. I need to get out of it. I literally the day we had dinner and I told him that I would die for him because I had two wives. <laughs> Okay. Maybe I should come with you next time instead of the next table. Be in your ear. Abby, don't say that. Oh, my God. Literally, unwell. I need, like, a little, like, Osha ear earpiece to be like, yep, hold one sec. I would Um, be on it. Honestly, please, Phoebe. Sit at the table next. Was it same, same? Be like, um. I love same, same. The soft shell crab bow from same, same is probably up there with the best thing I've ever eaten. Um, Have you had the Morton Bay Bug curry? No. The Battelle leaf? I've not had that. Oh we need to go together to go and we'll get what we – and we'll do swapsies. We'll get Absolutely. what we usually get. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I tried to get him to move in with me for literally years and every time we'd get, like, closer to that, yeah. we'd break up because okay. he wanted to break up with me all the time. Fantastic. So I'm very jealous and I'm very proud of you and it's very Thank exciting. You. It's very scary but very exciting. I know. And this place is beautiful as well. Thank you. And that was a lot. Um, <laughs> so – we have a little Q&A to start with. Love that. As we know. And this one is, if there's a lot of parts to it, we quickly read it before we started recording. We did. We had a quick lull, but I think there are, there's a there's at least three different parts of it that we probably need to stop and have some commentary around. Absolutely. And you love commentary. I love commentary. As per, <laughs> Confessions of a Train Wreck. Okay. So. Here we go. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> so. It begins. I've always had quite the crush on one of my managers when he was in a long-term relationship for a year and a half when we'd worked together. 
Then his relationship ended, and a few months ago we slept together after a night out under the just sex agreement. Okay. First off, if she liked him for a year and a half and she slept with him thinking it was just a sex thing, girl, you're lying to yourself and you know it. Oh, my God. Literally, my thought when I was reading it for the first time, I was like, a year and a half you think that you have a crush on him and then you're going to just fuck him. And I know what she means because I was there once and I did a similar thing with a guy that I worked with because – At that point in my life, I was so young and I was like, any part of him is better than no part of him. (gasps) Yes, I will take any form of validation from this person. And and in my mind as well, a lot of the time, I'm like, in the moment, I think that sex is the highest form of validation. I'm like, if I can fuck him, I've got him. That's it. (laughs) No, it's not. But you know what I actually think? I said this to someone literally the other day. I think the most intimate part of a relationship is the first time you sleep in the same bed and don't have sex. (gasps) Yeah. Cute. Anyway. Oh, that Continue. is cute. We get it. You have a happy relationship. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. <laughs> I can't even go on hinge. Um, okay. So we, we already know she's made a mistake here by sleeping with him under the just sex agreement. But you know what? Sometimes I, it works. Yeah. I know better. I And I also can't Oh, we've resist. all done it. I can't resist. Yeah, we've all done it. I still probably would not resist. Yeah. There's someone that I have a crush on right now that isn't my ex-boyfriend that I love. Um, and if I slept with him, I probably would. Like, I know that I have a crush on him. Which is fine, because Gal's got to eat. <laughs> I mean, she does, and she's a hungry girl. <laughs> um, okay. I already knew I was falling hard, but I guess I thought I'd better take what I could get. And now the idea, literally what you just said. Boom, there it is. <laughs> and now the idea that he wanted me was so bloody exciting. Absolutely. I feel like... <laughs> but see, she knows it. This is what's killing me. This is my issue that I have as well. I know when I'm being toxic to myself. My yes. therapist is like, you know, I tell her, I'm like, I know that I do this because of this and this and this. And this past trauma has caused me to do this action. But you are seeing a therapist and you are working through that. So you can mm. identify that in yourself. Not everyone can. Yes. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's it. <laughs> a lot of advice. Podcasts. And I don't know why. Like, I don't know anything about her, but she sounds young. I would assume age 19. Tell us if you're right. <laughs> I replied to your email, like, how old are you? Immediately afterwards, I felt fine about it, but pretty soon I found myself falling even harder. We talked a week or so after about it, and he basically said he tunes out during sex. Wow, that makes me feel great. Hmm. Okay, so he literally is using you as like a fleshlight, like a pocket pussy. He's using Uh, you. Absolutely. He's like masturbating with you. Absolutely. Which is fun if you hate the person. Not so much funny if you have a crush on the person. Because I feel like sex is the one time you should really not be tuning someone out. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're literally inside of yeah, someone. You're literally ha- yeah. one. Like two have literally become <laughs> one. You you physically cannot get closer to somebody than no. when you are having sex with them. Yeah. And he's tuning out. And how does she know he's tuning out? Like, is he not looking at her? Is he not no, he responding said. to her? Oh, he said it. <laughs> Oh, girl. In quotation marks. Put your pants on and run. Oh, my God. He tunes out during sex. Wow. Cool. That makes me feel great. But I still cannot get rid of my feelings and they drive me crazy because because it's a chemical reaction. I need to understand that your feelings are just – they're just imaginary. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lie. No, there's there's a chemical that your body releases when you have sex called ocetane or something, Mm. isn't it? I'll ask Chelsea McLeod. Okay. I'll ask Chelsea. I'll message him and be like, hey, babe, what's that? Oxytocin's love the chemical, but there's... Oh, no, I think oxytocin's the same thing. Yeah. And then dopamine releases that's when you... That's why you confuse... When you orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why you can sometimes confuse sex and love because the same chemicals are sometimes released. I reckon he isn't making a cum, though, by this. <laughs> <laughs> not 
absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, that's a thing. I mean, if he's not tuned in, <laughs> he's not paying attention. <laughs> it's actually quite hard to make a woman do that. Yeah, so. even when you're fully tuned in and exactly. obsessed with that person. Yeah. Um, okay. We are friends, but sometimes the way that he treats me or the way he says things just send me a tailspin of feel. So obviously he's giving her a, like little like nuggets of hope. Um, I can feel myself holding out hope and and then being bitterly disappointed time after time when I don't get the attention that I want. On our last night out with our workmates, it was obvious that he was trying it on with another girl who just finished up working with us, which obviously I want to hurl myself into the ocean. Feels. Have they only slept together once? Oh, yeah. Maybe they have. And she just caught the feels hard. Yeah, because she already had the feels. Mm. So this has been the catalyst to be like, now I really like you. And maybe he didn't know how she – no, he would have known how she felt. He would have known. when a girl's that obsessed, you can tell. I mean, you can tell. I mean, I send nudes like a daily to people that I like, so they definitely <laughs> – I think they, they, have a, they have a bit of an idea that he I He gets like. into work and she said his screensaver is a nude of her. <laughs> Lying on like a leather cow. She's like – she's in BDSM gear for some reason. They haven't spoken about it. She's got a collar on. Blank face. Doesn't have a dog. Does it? <laughs> um, so she wanted to throw herself, throw herself, throw herself into, into the, the ocean. ocean. I mean, we've all been there as well. Yes. But then he'll be so bloody nice and caring and really cheeky to me. And even though he's made it clear that, quote unquote, it's not like that, I'm still basically fucked in the brain and now I cannot let this guy go. Do you think on any level he'll ever change his mind? No. No. <laughs> We couldn't have said that fast enough, but girl, that's not to insult you. And if you're listening, it's not about you. No, it's not about you at all. Mm. And when I was that age and I was in a very similar situation, I wish that someone was that direct with me and was like, Phoebe, move the fuck on with your life. Because I feel like, but also, I don't know, you hang on to every little hope that they give you. And especially if they work together and they're seeing each other all the time. That's an issue. You know? Yeah. See, they I still have contact. I had a guy that I slept with for also don't waste your own time. Like him not him not wanting anything more from you might have to do with him or it might just be that he doesn't like you that much. And it also means that she's probably closing herself off to other people who are showing interest in her. So true. Always to my friends this and yep. myself in my head where you don't want anyone else to even talk to you when you're yeah. out or when you're with other friends yeah. or on like Hinge or, or Tinder or whatever the kids use in these days. Yeah. You don't you don't want it because you're like, we're gonna, you compare them all the time. Absolutely. Um, I also think if he doesn't if he doesn't like you, right, if it is that he doesn't like you, if it is something about you, which mm-hmm. is worst case scenario, that is yeah. like in your brain that's worst case scenario for anxiety and for getting all upset and for crying about this into your pillow while listening to Billie Eilish. Yeah. Like that's worst case. You know, I think of it this way, and I kind of had an epiphany after this thing with a guy that was similar with this ended. Um, I was thinking, like, why would I want to be with someone that doesn't like me for who I am? Because mm-hmm. you think, oh, should I have not said that? Should I have not done that? Should I have been a little bit different? Should I have been less forward? You replay every interaction, mm-hmm. every time you've hung out, everything yeah. you said, everything you did. You replay it over and over and think, if I did this differently, would you like me? If I did this? But, but honestly. If you change yourself for him, the facade would have, would have cracked eventually. Exactly. And you are back to being yourself. And also, fuck someone who doesn't want to be your friend or your boyfriend if they don't actually like you. And him. also, fuck what he's saying to you. Actions speak way louder than words. Mm. And let me tell you, ladies, PSA, if he likes you, you will know. Oh, you'll know. If you don't know if he likes you, that is your answer. Like, it's actually that simple. It's so simple. And once I kind of got my head around that, it was after this thing with this guy ended. So I was sleeping with this guy for 
from when I met him when I was like in grade 10. I think he was like in grade 12 or something. Didn't sleep together until I was like 18. And we became really good friends. We'd hang out like every weekend. We'd literally just like smoke um, uh, legal substances. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's illegal everywhere anymore. We'd smoke. And also you can't have anything cops. Yeah. Suckers, your body narcs. <laughs> prove it, bitch. Prove it, prove it. I'm just, I could be lying. I could be a compulsive liar. Anyway, so we'd smoke weed and we'd just hang out, drive around in his van, have sex. And I was like obsessed with this guy, like yeah. obsessed. He went overseas for a year, came back. I was still obsessed. But he never, this is crazy. I always was like, oh, like we hang out like three, three days a week. We have sex every time we see each other. We're going to like the markets together, like – He's, and he, like, hugs me and, like, touches me. I mean, that sounds very relationship-y. Yeah, yeah but he never kissed me on the lips. There you go. <laughs> and you knew that. You would have known that from the get-go. And he never ate me out. So it was always wow. – but I would get a – because he was he was very, like, touchy. And that's why he'd hug me because he's just a very touchy person. Mm-hmm. So he'd always give me, like, a full-body massage if we'd have sex. Yeah. And then I'd, like, suck his dick and then he wouldn't eat me out and wouldn't kiss me on lips. And after – Three years, I was like, even. I was like, why don't you kiss me? I like lost my fucking mind. Yeah, and he was like, what do you mean? I was like, why don't you fucking kiss me? Like, and that is the best. Like, you cannot sacrifice. No, I mean, you can't sacrifice any of it. Mm. It should be. And when you find someone who actually, it's a mutual respect level. Mm. It's all an equal playing field. Yeah, absolutely. But I remember telling my friends, and I'm like, and I only noticed it like three years in. I was yeah. like, holy shit. And I asked him one day, and he was like, I don't know. That's just how we are. And I was like. Oh my god! I've literally spent three years being obsessed with you. Like, I remember I like hung out with him on Christmas Day in the morning because I just wanted to see him on Christmas. Yeah. I was like obsessed with him. What are we doing now? I always <laughs> think spoke, that. I'm like, what is he right now? Mm. And he's lovely and he's amazing. He, he never meant to be a dick because our setup was we'd hang out and we'd fuck. Yeah. But I just made it up in my head, and then I was like, why isn't? Why does he? Do these things lead me on, and then not follow through with it? It's like, well, he's just like a huggy person, like. He hugs his mates. And when you allow someone to treat you at a certain level, they're not going to change. You've been, and I'm not saying it's your fault that they're treating you that way, but if you've let them get away with that, Mm -hmm. what's, they're not going to change. That's the baseline. Yeah, exactly. The baseline is not kissing and not getting eat. That's it. Also never made me come. What? In three years. Yeah. I never faked it though. This is why me pouring wine, I can hear it in the earphones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is why. I've also got. Oh, popcorn. Popcorn. But I've eaten half the bag. Ironic what the topic is today, that I've eaten half the bag of popcorn. Hello. Oh, oh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, so he never made me come. Also, ladies, if he loves you and cares about you, he will make you come. And I'm very – I now know that I come very easily. Yes. Okay, I, I know that now. And yes. at the time I was like, maybe it's hard to make come. This is why I get so, I so frustrated. I thought that for years too. Just no one's tried fucking yes, hard no enough. no one cares. They don't care. They don't care enough. If their end game is just to have sex with you, they, they will come. just do it until they come. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. And you think that's sex. For years I thought that was sex. Oh, yeah. You think you think that's how it works and it's over when the guy comes. Mm-hmm. Now with like my ex-boyfriend who I love, like <laughs> I, like he and I will have sex regularly where I come and he doesn't. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay. And I in my head I'm like, you know what? This is payback for all the guys that came and I didn't make me come. See, that's weird that he doesn't come. Why? Um, Because a lot of the time – I don't know. Like we'll have sex maybe like three times in a night. He'll have come twice already. Kind of, yeah. And he's like, 
or who are having sex and, and like, they're different like after after we come we're ready to go again yeah after yeah. they come they need a nap yeah he's they're just, done he's just very like giving love him um obsessed with him oh. people that you in brisbane know who this person is and they're gonna be like she's actually unwell like she's <laughs> genuinely fucking unwell I, should we give her some advice should we finish with some advice for her oh fuck yeah babe because um, my advice to her would be maybe quit the job yeah and also like Probably go and see a psychologist and and get to the root of why you're accepting this behavior. Like you and I, for example, have spoken before on my podcast about Mm -hmm. how our history with our dads and and all that stuff. We have hectic abandonment issues and Mm -hmm. commitment issues and all that stuff. And since I've explored that, it makes sense when I look back at my relationship history. Yes. But you you need to get uncomfortable in that. Yes. You know what I mean? To like to face you need it. To, yeah, you need to go just go to go to a therapist, talk yeah. to them about it. And even as talking about it, a lot of the time you talk your way into an answer. Exactly. That's what therapy is, really. But you literally if you sit there and talk about it with your friends, your friends will egg you on in being like and they'll be like, Babe, he really does like you, he's just doing this, this and this. The therapist because they, they want the best for you. But they're a, yeah. they're a third party, they have no obligation. Mm-hmm. to either of you they're no. just there real talk yeah agree agree and um also if it has been one time i think yeah you really need to talk to a therapist about and we're not saying and we're not saying you're crazy like we're no. not and this is what we've been there yeah I, i've been there multiple times i went to a therapist after the bachelor because i was mentally unwell i went to a therapist after todd and i broke up because mm-hmm. i was like i am crying all the time this yep. isn't normal my yep. reaction to this person and i breaking up mm-hmm. like he did this this and this i should hate him but i or i want to be with him still because Absolutely. of my abandonment issues because yep. i feel like you didn't choose me when i thought you were going to choose me exactly <laughs> i mean just i on i on if it's like because it sounds like it's like a casual work environment if he's sleeping with if he's hitting on girls at work there as well it's also like like a bar what is or something. he doing i know he but was in a, a relationship with a with a woman from work and then they broke up and he went to another girl from work and then they broke up and he went to another girl from work god he's got maybe, this guy needs to go to therapy i think maybe tell him yeah maybe tell him. <laughs> maybe you should see if your if your workplace can get some sort of like communal ETA. therapy going on yeah look into your eta ask mm. hr for an eta because yeah. every workplace i'm pretty sure gets some kind of yeah compensated therapy if it's like a bar or something it makes sense because everyone in bars right. did you ever work in a bar of hospitality um for three days yeah what? i made the best money i made 300 dollars in cash tips alone each night oh my god babe yeah. what am i doing why are, we, why are you podcast why are we podcasting <laughs> yeah guys podcasting makes you no money don't do Fuck. it <laughs> i mean don't do it so shit um, I mean, that's great. Now I'm nervous as we go into the serious stuff. Okay. No, don't be nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> okay. So now the tone has changed as I sit my wine. But I don't want to be too serious. I want to be able to no. talk about it in a way that you're comfortable because you use deflection and humour as a coping mechanism. I do. I really do. Hence why I was – yeah, hence why – people got really annoyed with me on The Bachelor because I would always laugh at serious things. Like I had my jokes about my dad leaving me all the time and the girls oh would be God. like, you can't do that. No, but I can though because it's my dad that yeah. left me, motherfuckers. It makes other people feel more uncomfortable, I think, than you feeling uncomfortable. Oh, Because yeah. we just do whatever we need to do to get by. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we spoke about this quickly before we started. Do you want to start describing what eating disorder, how it was manifested? Yes. What, how you would describe it so we can have some sort of – Okay, context to start yes. with. Sure. So I I don't speak about it a lot on my own 
podcast or I have alluded to it very, very briefly. Um, but someone once told me never to tell a story to get closure, only to tell a story once you have closure. Because if you're telling a story to mm-hmm. seek validation from external people, you're not going to get closure. Yeah. So it took me a long time, I think, to even my friends, like when this episode came out, when I revealed that I had bulimia, mm-hmm. so many people in my life messaged me and they were like, Phoebe, what the fuck? Like we knew there was stuff going on. You were so skinny. You were so isolated. You were so withdrawn. Mm-hmm. But we had no idea that you were going through all of this stuff. You didn't tell anybody because that's my thing. When I'm yeah. in a when I'm in a low like that. I isolate myself. I just withdraw. I want to be alone. Do you I tell deal with people? I when I'm like that, I only tell my boyfriend. Or do you not tell anyone at all? Well, I didn't have a boyfriend then, oh. so no. So you told literally no one. <laughs> I told, you, well, you, no, I didn't. So oh my god, the way it kind of happened is I had yeah. So I was. It wasn't like a classic case of. I think that also there's a lot of shame in admitting to this stuff because also. And I got in trouble for this when I admitted it in my podcast. I The words I used were bulimia is not a glamorous eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying that. But there's, kind, there's a lot of, I guess, shame in – I don't know how to Why best articulate it. Someone said no eating disorder is glamorous, blah, blah, blah. And I agree. They're not. They're horrible mental illnesses. Yeah. But that's, it's just the way that I can best explain it. It's not – you know, anorexia is not glamorous. None of them are glamorous. No, none of them are glamorous. But I think that I the the concept of bulimia is like you know. I mean, yeah, you, you know what I mean. You, yeah, you're making yeah. yourself sick. Yes, but it wasn't. I wasn't like a classic case. I didn't binge eat and then throw up. Mm-hmm. I would really restrict what I ate, mm-hmm. and then most of what I ate, I would purge. So it was kind of like, and I had a very strict, strict, strict diet, which was not much at all. And I was exercising like a eat? maniac. I do, I don't like going into it too much because oh, yeah. people who These are listening ideas. are triggered. It gives them ideas. Yep. But basically, it, I guess it was kind of the term orthorexia is used a lot now. So it's very – orthorexia is like you eat very clean, no sugar, no salt, no chemicals, no processed food, very plant-based. And it was very obvious for a lot of people who were close to me, like my workmates. I was very, very close to my boss at the time. I was living with my mom, so my family saw my eating patterns changing. Mm-hmm. But they just thought I was becoming super healthy because I was really, really young. I think I was probably about 22, 23-ish mm-hmm. when it started and – I, I put on a bit of weight when I got my first full-time job because you're sitting at a desk, you're not being active, you're buying your lunch every day, you know. Everyone goes through that wines. classic weight gain. Yeah, having yeah. wines after work. Yeah. You just you start living a bit of a different lifestyle. But it wasn't – it was never about the weight loss. And I can't really pinpoint a time that it started. started, but my eating pattern completely changed when I kind of found this wellness lifestyle, which I think now there's this – culture of almost toxic wellness. I think that it's one thing to want to eat healthy and exercise and take care of your body, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are taking it to the extremes now. And I spoke about this on, on Triple J hack when I was on. They were asking yeah. me about um, going to gym obsessively and orthorexia essentially yeah. and counting calories. Mm-hmm. And they had men and women call in and the men were like, yeah, I mean, like, I think working out's good for you and, you know, like, you can't take it too far, but that's fine. And the women that called in and, and from my perspective, I think that there are so many wellness influences now and that's great if they're doing things correctly. Exactly. But 
people are doing things incorrectly to get to their body type. Mm-hmm. For example, like the the perfect body type used to be heroin chic, like so thin. Yes. And then it went to it still is kind of like curvy and like mm-hmm. like big tits, small waist, big hips. Yeah. And then I think in the past couple of years, because everyone wants to be healthy now, which is great, mm-hmm. it's now like Seth Claire Smith who has like a beautiful, like she's just a healthy, healthy person. Yeah. And that's great. But in order to achieve that, some people don't have that shaped body naturally, don't have small shoulders. Exactly. And I think the thing is now it's really, like you said, it's really on trend to be fit. But mm-hmm. having abs, having visible abs is very, very hard for most people to achieve. Oh. So if you achieve that, like those abs, which I d- did have for a, a long really? time, it's not, it's, it's not, not maintainable. It's not my baseline. So no. it's not maintainable for a lot of people. And I've heard Steph talk about it before and she does admit that she's very lucky mm. to naturally have the kind of genetics that she just always has. Like her body fat. She just, she exactly. Just, yeah. Well, see my stomach, everyone says that I have abs, but it just it happens to be. Just you, I knows. feel like you do. Like you're wearing a crop top right now and I'm looking, you've got like top abs. No, that's where the fat has congealed. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not, feel it. Babe, that's, that's the true fat. Well, it looks not, good. See, everyone's like, oh my God, your abs. I'm like, guys, it literally just happens. It literally just happens to be for some reason. My my fat has congealed and it looks it looks like abs. I don't know why it's always been that way. I it and it's not it's not muscle at all. I have no core strength at all. But um, sorry, back to what you were saying. So this like idea of being fit, I think people really are more willing to push themselves yeah. to get there. Um, but being fit is perceived as being a a good thing. So you having abs, all your friends would have been like. Oh my God, you look amazing. That's that's exactly a point that I wanted to bring up is the kind of the validation that you get based on what your body looks like at a certain time. And obviously the more defined your abs are and I don't know, the skinnier your arm looks in a photo, the oh more God. people are going to be like, babe, your arm looks so thin or like, babe, your abs, you look hot fire flames and like your Instagram's going off. And that just further feeds that subconscious thing that you have to keep doing what you're doing when mm. for me that was a very 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 bad habit and it, I, it wasn't I wasn't achieving that healthily or in a good way no were you counting calories a lot I actually wasn't really counting calories a lot back then because I probably wasn't like I kind of I knew it probably wasn't going to stay down Oh, mm. right. Even though it wasn't bad food that I was right. eating, everything was I ate really was very pure. No, oh my God, don't be, don't be silly. Because um, I remember when I was like, I, this is just from going to an all-girls school, noticing things that girls would do when we were like 14. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to all have our fitness pal, all of us. Wait, well, we were like 14. I went, yeah, I went through that phase after. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. I used to literally obsessively put things in. I would weigh blueberries. I was 14 years old That's doing so touch football, sad. running nine kilometers a day every day with ankle weights on. Crazy. Was it because you wanted to lose weight? Yeah. Yeah. At 14. Yeah. That is so sad. Crazy. I tried to be vegan for a little while because yeah. I wanted to lose weight. I was looking at photos now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like that's, that's so mental. It's crazy. Well. It's so crazy. Um, But yeah, it, a huge thing was counting calories. And my friends and I used to count calories and we'd kind of compare how many calories we'd have in the day. And then we'd all go to gym after school together and we'd try and reach a thousand calories. That's like two hours of sprinting. We'd try and burn a thousand calories. So yeah, so essentially only have, you'd be in a thousand calories deficit. 
Oh my, and especially as a teenager, 14. you need to be in a surplus mm. because you're growing and you're, mm. you know, your brain activity at school and you're so doing so much after school sports. Uh, and that's why I asked about the calorie thing because I feel insane. like that starts really young from what I it was. I'm a little bit younger than you, maybe. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I think that's probably a valid point because the ironic part about my, I hate the word journey, but I don't know how, what else to say. Just say journey. Just say journey. Just guys, drink sorry. game. <laughs> Apologies. Every time we say journey, sip. My journey. <laughs> Um, I grew up a dancer. I did ballet for 18 years mm. and I got into a ballet company when I was 18. And so a lot of people associate like, oh, just that. I don't want to be that like cliche stereotype ballerina gone, eating disorder gone, whatever, because I actually had a very good relationship with my body when I was doing ballet. And I distinctly remember I was very slim as a teenager. Like I'm, I'm quite tall and I'm very long and I'm just, I'm naturally quite a lean person. Yes. So I was never overweight. It was it was never about the weight. <clears throat> and I was very lucky to go to a ballet school where our teachers wouldn't let us use the word fat when we were in the studio. They got us in dietitians <clears throat> to tell us about what foods to eat after school to give us more energy for rehearsals and because we were dancing a lot. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't remember a dietitian coming in one day and telling us to have a glass of Milo before we came to ballet. Like they weren't Off restrictive at all. Um, it was all very healthy. And I never had a problem with my body in a ballet setting. What about when you were younger than that? Have you, do you, do you remember any positive or negative feelings towards your body when you were younger? I think my, my mum was a dieter. My mum was a classic fad dieter. So I grew up listening to my, and my mum is stunning. Mm. She, and I remember looking at her when I was, I still look at her and think she's beautiful. But Mm. when I was a young teenager, looking up at her and being like, you are stunning and everyone used to always say to me your mom is stunning we went mm. to, we sat at noosa one day and the hotel um check-in person was like you look like ellen mcpherson like she was oh my god stunning but all i ever heard her say about her body was negative things mm-hmm. she would look in the mirror and say oh my thighs are too big my stomach's too big everything's too big she'd always be on like a napkins diet or a low carb diet or mm-hmm. she grew up smashing diet cokes light milk like everything she but i think that's just that the 80s mentality yeah, like I'm the same. everything was the a diet the diet culture kind of started for them back then yeah and so i grew up thinking that being on a diet did was you what you do when you were an adult time? yes yeah, my mom was the same diet cokes and apples for morning tea she's a school yes. teacher and she would have diet cokes and apples for morning tea probably have no dinner either no no she, she still does this crackers and veg on vegemite for lunch six crackers with vegemite not no butter just no. vegemite <laughs> and then dinner is a piece of toast with tomato on top and then she used, she used to exercise. She'd go to aerobics every single night, every single night, body attack every night. That she's, is wild. And mum, mum's saying like physically yeah. gorgeous, mm-hmm. but she used to always say, and even now she's a size 10 and she's 60 yeah. and she looks, she's gorgeous. And she is like, oh no, I feel yucky. Oh, I look hideous. I look fat. And I'm like, you, like you truly don't yeah. like, like it's crazy to have that mentality and growing up with that with mm-hmm. mothers who are as well. Did you feel like a little bit of pressure to like be as pretty as your mum? Uh, yeah. And then when your mum hates Which I'm not like, because no. she's so pretty. She's so much prettier than me. <laughs> Fuck so you, mum. So, so, but also I heard you mention in your podcast about, um, and I did laugh at this before because I thought it was so fucking crazy, mm. the big Phoebes thing. Yeah. So I had That's a crazy. lot of, I became very self-conscious that I was bigger than other people um, because a couple of my friends in high school nicknamed me Big Phoebes. But, but was I was it mean or was it like banter? No, like, they, was it was it? banter. They were like my best friends. It wasn't it wasn't mean, but hearing that as a 15-year-old, oh. 
And because I was so – I went through puberty when I was like six. I didn't get my period until I was 16. Like I was a really? skinny, long string bean, but I was a lot – like I'm 5'11". Like yeah. I'm a lot taller than a lot of my friends. And they were still little shorties. And they would call me Big Phoebes. But to me, I thought that meant – Big Phoebes, as in big fat Phoebes. Yeah, like Hulk they, Phoebes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like big like fat big Phoebes. Phoebes. But you're just – No, but they literally meant like tall Phoebes. Tall Phoebes. Big Phoebes. Like yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't meant in vain. Yeah. But that stuck with me for a long time and I think since then I've just felt bigger yeah. than a lot of my friends. Even still to this day I still have this weird thing in my head that I'm bigger. Because I think because I'm tall Yeah, I have – Big boobs. Yeah. I've got quite broad shoulders, but I'm a size you have broad eight. Shoulders. You don't, like, I was about to say, you don't have broad shoulders. You have quite thin shoulders yeah. and quite thin, not thin hips, but you like, you aren't a wide. No. Big, I wouldn't say you're a big girl. No. Um, but I was saying before that like, I'm the same. Like I, I was this height, even though I'm very short, I'm like five foot three or something, but I was that tall in grade seven. So I was like, I was like, I had like double D boobs in grade eight. See, that's my wild. Period. I have double D boobs now, but I can't. <laughs> I only got them when I was in like uni. I got my period when I was in grade five and I was 10 years old. So I always was way ahead of the other girls yeah. and I always was much taller. I have size nine feet as we all know. Me too. Hooks. Yeah, but babe, I'm. But I think we're, yeah. <laughs> babe, my, literally my ex-boyfriend that I love always says, he's always I like. I love that that's how you refer to him. <laughs> He always is like, babe, stop wearing meals off your feet. Look so big. <laughs> they do. You must like, have really good balance. What do you mean? Because there's a lot of foot ratio. To- oh yeah, but in our relationship, I was like, no, mean to no, sometimes no, no. nice like, to be able to like physical balance. Yeah, no, I do. I'm really good at yeah. yoga. Okay, good. Yeah, so suck on that. Um, ex-boyfriend <laughs> that I love. Um, but I always felt like I was like bigger than other girls. So I was. I was taller, and because I had big boobs from mm-hmm. a really young age. And that carried on literally until now. I have a friend of mine who's a guy who's six foot tall. And I truly, this is crazy. When I when I was in grade, I think 11 or 10, we had this joke that I didn't really think it was a joke where I would be like, no, I'm taller than you. <laughs> six foot tall, five foot because 11. this feeling that you have inside your own body. I'm, like, I'm bigger than you. I'm bigger than you. Like, yeah. I, like I just feel very like big and like uncomfortable in my own skin. And even mm-hmm. still now, like I remember before The Bachelor, I like, was crying before being like, I'm going to get called fat on TV because I'm going to be bigger than the other girls. Been looking at us like lined up. I'm like one of the short girls. So teeny and tiny and petite. I always forget how small you actually are (laughs) until I see you in real life again. I'm like, no, she's (laughs) mini. She's teeny. But even, even I had that from just until I think the girls started overtaking me in like grade eight, grade nine. It was only Mm -hmm. until grade seven. And that sticks with me now at the age of 25. So you as a tall person anyway, you as, as they say, big, big things. <laughs> so twisted. And I hate that your friends would have no idea that. No. Like, and if they're you. listening now, I bet they're crying. Like they, they're probably so upset by the fact so that because things. I never really spoke about that yeah. because I didn't, I think I spoke about it in a recent podcast episode of mine mm. um, with a dietitian who happens to also be very tall and she was called big as well and it was the same kind of thing for her. But I yeah. think that people don't realise, especially at that age where you're going through all of your development and that words are so deep and yeah, words can so have strong. such a big impact on somebody. You only have to say one thing once for it to stick with them literally for the rest of their lives. Mm. I have always felt like I was like a big, like, 
oaf. Like I was saying before, I used to in grade 10, we were counting calories a lot. I would literally get an apple in the morning. Maybe I did have an eating disorder. This is weird yeah, looking back. But I didn't you might have. I didn't lose weight, so I didn't think that I had an eating no, disorder. No, but you know that's where a lot of people um go wrong mm. is that you don't I actually read a really beautiful article. I think it was on Refinery in 29. It was an American website and it was a like a listicle article of unexpected people who have eating disorders. Like there was men on there, really big girls, um, because you don't have to look a certain way to have an eating disorder. I think yeah. a very common thing and for me it was true. You're very underweight. But that's not always the case. No. I think I might have been like holding water or something because I would eat. So I literally would get an apple in the morning and I would cut it up into thirds. And I would have it for breakfast, lunch and dinner. So it was one apple. Okay, I can tell you right now I'm not a psychologist. But like. <laughs> and I'd have gum. I'd take like a gum to a school. Mm. So I'd have gum in between and I'd have. Um, I'd get a big bottle, like a giant, like two liter bottle of water. And I'd put a dash of sugar free a pub squash in it so it tasted like okay yeah now now that I'm explaining it in mm. full <laughs> now that you're saying it out loud yeah okay and then I get home from school and I put on my ankle weights and my I get my dumbbells and I run to Chermside and back which is nine kilometers and I would this is actually mental are you having an epiphany right yeah now? yeah I mean it, <laughs> I don't think it was that long drop. I think it was maybe for only like six months like yeah. I, it wasn't like a whole like three-year thing but I used to I used to fucking run and to the point where like I got into the cross country team, but I was like, oh no, this is just my daily run. Because yeah. I, like, I don't want to be on the fucking cross country team. Yeah. I just want to lose weight. Yeah. Like I'm not running because I like running. I'm running because I want to lose weight. Yeah. Um, and all my friends would be like, oh my God, you're so fit. You can run so well. You can, you know, and I was doing dancing as well when I was younger. So you were getting that validation from other people as well, which probably was fueling your fire to keep going. Cause you were in your mind, you were probably, well, I yeah. know you were saying, yeah. I don't have a problem. I just want to be thin. And no. so you wouldn't have even thought about that no and I remember I and as well see what about this the truth after this but my thing was very external I felt like no guys liked me because I was big yeah but then looking back at photos of me compared to all my friends I was the exact same size that is not my personality turns out <laughs> <laughs> um turns out it wasn't <laughs> but I thought that no one liked me because I was the yeah. guys didn't like me because I was a, like a big girl and all the girls that I saw having boyfriends were like stick thin. I had that to an extent too, but it wasn't the skinny thing. It was because I have very pale skin and all of the girls in my school that had boyfriends were really tanned because they used to fake tan. And I was so self-conscious really? about how pale my skin was. And I was like, I am so unlovable and so ugly because I am so and, oh my God. you know, well, Here's a little hope for you. My, um, well, I'm sure you're over your skin thing now, but my ex-boyfriend that I love calls me, when I'm not fake tanned, a beluga whale. Oh, what's that? A white whale? Yeah. You know those white I whales? I call myself Moby Dick sometimes, the white whale. I mean, in like a loving oh, way. yes. Look up beluga whales because he literally Thank he literally you. calls me a beluga whale and he's like, they're the most beautiful creature in the ocean and you're the most beautiful creature on land and you're white and have a big forehead. <laughs> I know why you love him now. I that's love him. Cute. He's so, and he's like funny. That's like that's fucking hilarious. Like to the point where like I call myself Lil Beluga. Like it's unwell. But I always thought that like the skinny girls got the boyfriends. Mm. And even still now, part of me is like looking at girls that I knew were thin in high school. They have like successful relationships, and I'm like, well, it's because they were skinny. Mm-hmm. And that is fucking in. That's. Genuinely, not right. And I hate to admit that out loud, but I still think like despite all my body positivity stuff, despite like loving myself more than I ever have, I still think like 
I'm I, a thick girl. <laughs> yeah, but I admire you for saying that because I I'm much the same and I am lucky to have a boyfriend now and I'm not fat no, by any no, means. No, you're what, a size eight? Yes. yes. And but five I was, foot 11. But I was a lot leaner when I met him because I was still super restrictive. Being single is very different to being in a relationship and I think when you're single you place a lot more emphasis on maintaining a certain weight because you're always kind mm-hmm. of on the prowl, if that makes sense. But yeah. it doesn't matter to them but you don't realise that. Another ex-boyfriend that I love, an amazing it. quote, he always says to me, he's like, I like, this is so funny, the other day, because he likes when I gain weight. Same. But he also likes, he doesn't like when I lose weight. I shouldn't say that he's like, lose weight. Mm. But he's like, it's just, he's like, you know, your weight goes up and down. I've seen you in every way. I've seen you yeah. like the biggest you've ever been. I've seen you at the skinniest you've ever been. And it doesn't bother them. Literally, whatever weight you're at. Literally, he's like, ah, uh, you look beautiful all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, and when you gain a lot of weight, it's kind of like fucking a new girl. <laughs> And then when you lose a lot of weight from like when you're stressed and shit, I'm worried yeah. about you. And then you gain it again. I'm like, she's happy again. Exactly. Like exactly. He knows when, when, when I'm skinny, yep. I'm unhappy. Yeah. And when I'm bigger, I'm eating good. I mean, that popcorn drinking wine. A hundred percent. And I actually have someone I can back that up with. I interviewed James Smith PT on my podcast a few weeks ago. And he said he prefers a woman who will go out on a date eat a burger, have some wine during the mm. week and be flexible and they take their clothes off with confidence doesn't matter what the fuck size they are mm. rather than uh, a girl who's going to sit there and count her calories. And not that, not that the reason you do that is for a man, but no. I think that half the time and especially when I was in my earlier 20s, if I would go and date – I remember dating somebody when I was in the absolute crux of my eating disorder mm. and I would push food around on a plate when we were out on dates and – it was to horrible avoid eating to it. avoid eating it because I didn't want to eat it, but I obviously didn't want to like, tell him. Mm. I'm not anybody at this point. Like, and you, you just have this mindset that to be this perfect girl, you have to order the salad and you have to have the vodka lime soda, but fucking vodka lime soda is disgusting. Oh, Wine is delicious. So Pizza is delicious. But in saying that I haven't, I'm not some total slob that just eats anything I want now. I mm. still eat very, very healthy. But if I want a pizza on a Friday night, I'll fucking have a pizza on a Friday night. And yeah. it, but it's taken me 10 years to get there. To eat the bread. To eat the bread. To, to literally eat the bread. Just eat the bread. Literally to eat the bread. Like it's five months ago I started eating bread. That's crazy. Yes. yes. Um, I could think we'll touch on something that is less about you now, which is amazing. <laughs> We're going to have less pressure on you, doll. Perfect. <laughs> but it's I want your perspective on it yes. because I feel like I also – I don't want you to be scared of being like not cancelled, but like I don't want to be scared of like doing things to offend people because you had the eating disorder. It's your yeah. experience. So you yes. can talk about these things how you yes, like of course. to. Um I want to talk about like good versus bad foods, which mm-hmm. is and good versus bad habits. Mm-hmm. And if you think that that language affected your eating disorder at all or not, because you were saying it was predominantly internal. Yes. Yeah. So I have gone through this absolutely wild journey. I'm a massive Y person. Mm -hmm. So I, huge like Simon Sinek fan. So I always like to know the why behind any kind of action or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Behind anything that's happening. So for the longest time. Overanalyze everything. Yeah. Overanalyze everything. What what are you? What star sign are you? I'm a Libra. Yeah, maybe she weighs everything up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so. I obviously, my so long story short, 
my mum eventually found out when I weighed like one kilo and I was living with her. So she's not stupid. She, mm. she picked up on these things. And after about two, mm, bit over two years of me living like this, going up and down, um, she confronted me in a car on the highway. So I couldn't get out and said, you have a problem and I'm taking you to a psychiatrist. You're going to deal with this. I went to the new farm clinic, took care of it, whatever. But I was the perfect patient because I didn't want to be there. So I was like, do the homework. Yes. Tick every box. Yes. I'm going to do this. Yes. Perfect. 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 Mm. But I never got, I never understood why this happened to me. Right. And that was really, that was really hard for me. So I think mm. that, yes, I, I, I did the, the therapy. I came out, I was like, yep, I'm fine. Everything's fine. But I, because I didn't understand why that happened to me and why I was like that, I never actually recovered. So I was still incredibly restrictive. Mm. I, and I would blame it on a lot of things. I would say, oh, I can't eat gluten. Oh, I can't eat dairy. Yes, I can. I but I would this. just say to people that I couldn't because it was better than explaining why you didn't want to eat them. And I would constantly be doing eight week challenges and six week challenges. Oh. And I was very isolated. So I, I just remember one day not even going to one of my best friend's birthdays because it would have meant that I would missed a body tap class. And that was so part of my routine and so part of what was ingrained in this life I was living. I mean, this is a rumor, but do you have OCD at all? OCD yeah. tendencies? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I have. And okay, so that's what I'm getting to now. So years went by and I, I wasn't throwing up anymore, but I was still being incredibly restrictive and not happy. And literally years went by. This is only very recent in the last probably 12 months. Mm. I was after a long journey, which is another episode about mental health. Eventually I got diagnosed with like very severe anxiety. Um, And my now doctor went back and told me that the whole reason I had this eating disorder stemmed from anxiety and anxiety around food. So I've been put on medication to manage my anxiety Mm because it was that bad. I was like hospitalized Mm -hmm. for it, blah, blah, since starting that medication, it has completely reduced any anxiety I had surrounding food and what eating that food would do to my life. And I'm now able to have a piece of bread without wanting to kill myself. And I know that sounds very dramatic, but that's how it felt when I ate something that was out of of protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which was life-changing. So every thing that had happened to me around food in the last 10 years was stemmed from anxiety. And I think that that's a, I don't know. I think that a lot of people misjudge eating disorders and they're like, you just wanted to be skinny, Mm. but it's like, I didn't just want to be skinny. There was something compelling me to act like that and mm-hmm. to to have these habits that were so much more than what I looked like because I knew that I was skinny. I looked in the mirror and I was like, Jesus, yeah, you look like a skeleton. Did you like the way but you looked? But it wasn't – yeah. Yeah. I did. I was happy with it and I was – yeah, and I was getting validation on social media and, mm-hmm. you know. When your friends like your collarbones, oh, my God, yes. Yes. I was looking at comments the other day from like three years ago on my Instagram and my friends were all like, oh, my God, skinny, skinny. Oh, my God, I can see your rib cage. And I'm like – I was reading it today and I was like – I deleted the comments. So I was like, holy fuck, I did not want anyone looking through. One of my friends literally said to me, you look sick. I'm so jealous. I was so sick. 
but that is not something to be wow. jealous of. I remember our friends in school, we always used to say, I wish I had the willpower to have anorexia. We used to say that too. Mm. So it's I feel so like bad. such a huge part of this is the conversation that girls have on social media with each other. So now I really try and make the point if I'm complimenting a friend, not to bring her weight into it, not to bring, even not to bring her physical into it because that's yeah. such a small part of who you are as a person. And I just, it sounds so cliche, but I'm so pro this. I don't tell anyone that they look pretty or beautiful. I'm like, oh, you look all like gorgeous dress or like, I love your outfit because I want to focus on something that they've chosen, they've done for that day. Like your makeup looks amazing Mm -hmm. or like your hair looks so nice right now. Yeah. That color looks great on you. Yes. Yeah. I try to, I try to, I probably do it all the time. So you can find comments and you're like, you look beautiful. Like, like even like stunning though to me is like the whole get up is stunning. Yeah. Being like, oh my God, your body looks amazing. Or like, oh my God, like even like this is dumb. And I am particularly sensitive to this, but people saying you have beautiful eyes. I'm like, okay, didn't do anything for them. People say that to me too. Oh my God, we're the same person. But no, but, and I'm, and I'm like, it's, it's, it's lovely, but I'm like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. So I try to avoid now, and I don't particularly like receiving compliments or giving compliments that are based on my body, my eyes, like things that I can't change, my genetics, my, my bone yeah. structure. And I think it's important to try and avoid saying things about like your body looks amazing because you don't know you don't know what someone's doing to get that body exactly like my body right now i'm i'm like exercising five days a week and eating whatever i want so it's like it's good eating like pretty healthily but still like today i had grilled with all three chips like oh my god <laughs> i can't decide the zucchini chips from there hey with a with a smoky chipotle i can't <laughs> no i actually can't decide between the chips so i always get the platter oh my this god, is I what it's them. like also the white chips from grilled oh the white chips the, just the, 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 norm, white, the, the normal the, chips. normal chips oh like everyone's like sweet potato fries and you're like babe eat the white chips eat the normal they're chips so they're better. so good but i just i think it's important to try to avoid that i think it's important to try to change our language around foods and habits and being like, like if, like if I have a friend who every morning she goes to F45 in the morning, goes for a six kilometer run, goes to work, comes home, goes to F45 and everyone's like, Oh my God, well done. Oh my God, you're doing so well. And I'm like, I know I'm not even that close to it, but I'm like, I know that that is not fucking healthy. No. To the point where she'll go on a bender and she'll be at kick-ons till 5 a.m. and go to F45 at 6. She's going to have a heart attack. She's going to have a literal heart. Yeah, she's going to have a heart attack. So people encouraging, this comes back to the whole Fitzbo thing. It's like, well, she's working out, so it's a good thing. That's it. She has no – she has – no life also. No life. She no has no life. joy. And she would miss she would miss events because she like you were saying, yeah. She's a body attack class. Everyone's like, Oh my god, she's so dedicated. Oh my yep. god, well done. And people probably say to her, I wish I had your dedication. Yes. But it's like and no, she you don't it. because it's she's gone too far. That's not dedication, that's obsession. Disordered. Yeah. That's obsession. And like with what foods we're eating, like even even someone the other day I was talking about burrata. I love, you know burrata the that? cheese? Oh, Phoebe, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Christabel is literally going to my best friend, Christabel. Die. We Sorry, have – No, we literally sometimes text her being like thinking about burrata. Burrata is this cheese and it's basically mozzarella 
but it's soft on the inside. You know how you can get like no, you know buffalo cheese. You know, you can oh get, it's yeah, like yeah, in a knot. Mm-hmm. But you cut it open and it's and it like explodes everywhere. It's I like soft curry cheese. Yeah, burrata. Okay, <laughs> so I fucking love burrata. Like obsessed with burrata. And I went to Sydney for a week last week. And Christopher and I hit all the burrata hotspots. And we literally were like, anyway, with burrata, we're going to go. Yeah. Because we love eating. Mm-hmm. Like, Christopher and I genuinely love eating. And yeah. when I'm with her, we eat. We don't. And that's fine. Um, we are literally like, oh, it doesn't matter because tomorrow we will we'll have one meal in a day. And it's like a fucked meal. And we're socializing with each other, having wine, having fun. And that's mm-hmm. fine. But I showed someone the photos of our food that week that we'd had. I was like, oh my God, look at this, look at this. And they were like, isn't there a lot of fat in that? And I was like, yeah, it's it's cheese. It's cheese. It's, it's, it's cheese on cheese. It's okay? cheese on a prosciutto pizza. That's literally what it is. It's gooey cheese on a pizza. And we also had calamari and chips. That was our and lunch. And we had wine, okay? And we had two bottles of wine. And then we had cocktails when we went out afterwards. Like, But we had a good night together. I only see Christopher once every two months because she was in Sydney. And they were like, but don't you just feel like sick that you've eaten all that? Like, don't you just feel guilty? And I'm like, I don't feel guilty because that's what I felt like at the time. And the rest of the week I'm eating salmon and salad, salmon and salad, salmon and salad. And then I'm having avocado and crackers, which tastes fucking amazing, that I'm satisfied with. So why would I feel bad about having one one weekend or mm-hmm. three days of just being like, Absolutely. like fuck it. And I think there's a lot of um, internal guilt and also external guilt for my friends being like, oh, like, do you really need to order that second thing? Where that's why Christopher and I are so close because we literally are I like say that to you. Yeah, sometimes I think that something I have learnt is never to comment on something someone else is eating. It's nobody else's business, and I I've always had that from the get go. And I think a lot of people used to hate going to eat out with me because I would order like a side salad and whatever. But I never, mm. even when I was in the worst, worst, worst part of my ED, I would never judge somebody else for ordering a pizza or burrata or whatever they wanted to order. That that was never something that crossed my mind. I was happy for them. I was jealous. I was actually jealous of them that they could order something that they actually wanted to eat. And I was stuck with this like lettuce leaf monstrosity. I just think there's so much filtering food. Yeah. And people should just never comment on something someone's eating, the way someone looks, like you don't realize how detrimental those comments can be to somebody. Because if someone had said to me, like, oh my God, are you... if someone said to me, wow, are you really going to eat that piece of pizza? I would, I would probably cry. That would really trigger me, I think. Oh, really trigger for sure. me. And you don't know when you're going to say something to make someone spiral. Exactly. And that can literally push someone over the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and also food is meant to be enjoyed. And can like, I just say, I am love food. fucking enjoying it now. Oh, for yeah, because first you... time in my life. But even yeah, and even like in the office and stuff, like everyone being like, "Ooh, are you gonna have a naughty piece of cake?" I'm like, you know what? I am gonna have this a thin slice of cake because I feel like it. Because today for lunch, I had literal avocado and rice crackers yeah. with some feta on top. Or even eating feta. Someone one time because when I lost a lot of weight after the bachelor, because in the mansion you. Holy fuck. I've heard that you put on a lot of weight in there. Because you... Well, you're not really moving. You're kind of... You aren't. And the gym, the quote-unquote gym is like weights and you have to know routines already. And I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big classes girl. Same. Yeah. So I need the motivation from an instructor. And I'm... I And to be told what to do. Yes. I can't just go down to the gym like Chelsea. She can go down and be like, okay, so we've got these weights, these weights, and we've got a skipping rope. We've got this. Abby, let's do this circuit. 
and I would need her to be with me. Yeah. And I would need Ellie and Ellen to be with me. So I didn't really exercise and I was like eating like this is actually – this is unwell what I was doing. I'd get up and I'd make a little breakfast wrap, like health, you know, vibes, like satisfying. Mm-hmm. And then I'd make <laughs> – Tell me. I'd make like like, like 15 dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not judging. And you. I would, and, I, and then it's I make just random. And no, because they were, I became addicted to these dumplings. Like, and the housemaster and I would sit there and I'm like, do you want some dumplings? And all the girls would be down at the gym or running around the mansion with the llamas. And I'm literally there eating dumplings, watching the murder of Versace. That's when it just first came out. We had Netflix and I was like, I would turn into a dumpling. So when I got out, I wasn't at my normal weight for my body. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't fat. I was oh, fat. I wasn't like, I was a little bit unhealthy because I wasn't exercising. Yeah. But when I got out, I lost all this weight because I went back to eating how I normally ate. And that was basically just like rice crackers with avocado and a bit of feta on top. And then one time someone at work who was like a random man who was not the fittest person in the world was like, he was like, oh, you put a lot of feta on that? Cause I, and I was like, yeah, because I'm eating a rice cracker with an avocado on top for my entire lunch. So I'm going to put on the extra feta to make it taste nice so that I actually enjoy this food rather than having plain avocado on cracker and having less calories maybe and less fat, but then wanting to eat a muffin in the afternoon. Like it was – people comment on food way too much. Way too fucking much. The feta – also feta is good for you. This thing as well. Cheese, mm-hmm. bread, um, fruits, vegetables, avocado, they're, they're all, all good, good for you. you. You shouldn't be – I heard on um, the dietitian on your podcast saying you shouldn't yeah. be weighing vegetables. No, no. What? You should be eating to your full. Yeah, exactly. Like posted um, that I had – I made these little like chicken and cheese toasties. Yeah. And I was like – I was I think I saw Ravenous. That. And then yeah. I had like – you had two. Yeah, yeah. I actually had three in the end. I didn't yeah. post about it because I thought everyone would be bored of the narrative. But I was <laughs> – Not me. I'm here for it. I got a fresh hot chook. I essentially ate the oh, entire what chook. Is better? Nothing is better than a fresh hot Especially chook. the skin. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying pescatarian. I just love that chook. Um, but and I made one. I was like, oh, I should only have one. But I was ravenous, like actually starving because I had anti the night before. Mm-hmm. So I was starving. And then I was like, oh, I, could, I couldn't possibly have two more pieces of bread of sourdough. And then I had two more, and two more. And I was like, okay, I'm full now. And – my body was happy and I had energy on in the afternoon. Otherwise, I would have had that one little thing and been starving all day and been grumpy and had no energy and probably got no work done. Can I just say that is a huge problem I have with this whole concept of intuitive eating. And I think What's a lot of people – So you know how the, the big fad now that I think that people are kind of turning their backs on the – you know how the – the toxic wellness thing has kind of been exposed now. So mm-hmm. people are like, you know, the Steph Claire Smiths have come forward now and said I was very restrictive and blah, blah, blah. Now I eat pizza and whatever, whatever. But I think now that's almost a trend that people are jumping on and they're like, oh, I intuitive eat. But once you have been restrictive for so long, you know how many calories are in what you're eating. So yeah. you're not physically tracking it on my fitness pal, but you still know mm. because your brain works like that. Oh, this salad has this many calories in it. So I'm not going to put it in my fitness pal, but in, I'm intuitively eating. You're not intuitively eating. You're not actually listening to your body and you can't actually recognize your hunger cues oh anymore. God. So the fact that you are able to be like, I'm still hungry. I'm mm. going to have another two sandwiches mm. and now I'm full. I can stop is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, 
still do that though with um uh knowing calories in my head of like oh, certain yeah. muffins certain certain chocolates certain um oh, cereals I, yeah. I know from when i was 15 mm-hmm. what well, i know exactly how many calories are in certain things i'm like that's about 400 and then i think and i'm like but you're hungry exactly. like I, I have to correct my thinking but it's a and massive correction yeah and it for females there are so many things at play like you need more food when you have your period you need more calories and more energy when you're ovulating you need yeah. more for every half hour of exercise that you do you know what i mean like there's yeah. so many variables and factors at play that you living to a calorie restriction is not healthy and then you lose those hunger cues and you don't it's even crazy, you don't even thing. know if you're hungry anymore so it you're not crazy. yeah and then i the always say of hunger and you're yeah. like okay this is my normal now yeah and i even say to my trainer the best workouts I usually ever do are on a Saturday morning after I've had like a, sorry, quote unquote cheat meal for dinner on a Friday night. So if I have like a pizza on a Friday night, I will slay my workout on Saturday and feel Mm. amazing because I have energy. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. See, I'm really lucky. My mum is always very much like I was saying to you before, she truly believes, she, she truly believes in her brain that, carbs don't affect our family yeah she she she's like i mean we could eat loaves of bread we wouldn't gain weight <laughs> like first like first of all that's beautiful that she thinks that though she does think it and so we just like like if i have like a second helping of food it's never shame my mom is like oh darling, that was yummy wasn't it get some more like she's very much she isn't like forceful eat more but she's very much like if you're hungry have more if that's you want it, more have more yeah that's healthy. i think that's what's helped me um, be able to be like, well, if I'm hungry, I think like, well, mum would say if I'm hungry, I should have more. Where even though she doesn't eat much, she says to me, I'm not that hungry yeah. because she's been restricting for 35 yeah. years now. I also want to talk about how, oh, this is interesting because you said yours wasn't external, but I just want to talk about if you, well, obviously you do think about how social media has influenced how young women view themselves, particularly when it comes to bullshit like skinny me teen editing. Does it affect you now now that you're out of it at all? Well, no, because I think, and this again is a very, very, very controversial thing for me to say, but I don't think you'll ever be totally out of it. If you've been in it, you'll never. No, no, that's Oh my God, that's like saying, it's like saying you better now with the depression. No, no, no. But I think it's a controversial thing for me to say because I'll probably get a lot of people come back and say otherwise. But for me personally, it's always something that's in my head. And as, yes, I might be recovered but I still have tendencies I still but now I know what my triggers are so I know if this happens my go-to will be like don't eat or restrict what you're eating or Mm. whatever it is so yes yes but also when I was growing up I just missed the Instagram thing so I didn't have Instagram until I was Mm. out of school which I think is was a really good thing for me because if I had seen – and I was still impressionable. I still bought Skinny Me Tea when I was 23 years old. Yeah, really? I knew way better, but I bought it anyway because I was like, oh, yeah, tea that gives you diarrhea, bomb. Yeah, like, I love shitting the myself. It's like, yeah, weight loss. Woo. I considered it and then I was like, this is essentially laxative. And one of my friends one time who was taking laxatives in high school when we used to go and run for a 1,000 calories mm-hmm. – and she one time she fainted on a treadmill after school because she was eating nothing, having laxatives and running. And I always think of that. And I think, what if she'd shut herself? Yep. And also that can give you really big, like she might have to wear a colostomy bag for the rest of her life. There are yeah, a lot of can really things mess with that you. go with that. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that 
yes, I have come a long way. I think there are still like, even this morning, for example, I'm, I think I'm very, very stressed at the moment with, there's just a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. Like good stuff, but like I still. It's busy. It's busy. It's very busy busy. and I get very anxious and things like that. And I went to the gym this morning and I said to my trainer, who's also one of my best friends, I said, my God, I think I need to cut my calories because I feel bigger than I have felt in a really long time. And she said to me, Phoebe, I think you have never looked better. You look super ripped and defined because you're eating more. Your muscles are full and you're Mm. super lean. And she's like, I don't know where this has come from, but it's probably a mental thing. Mm. And then I pulled back and I was like, yeah, my clothes fit exactly the same. Yeah. I don't, I don't weigh myself anymore. And I, I made a point to throw, throw away my scales years ago, but I think if your clothes are fitting the same, you haven't changed. What's it's a difference? it's a mindset and a mentality thing. Well, I even noticed when I don't work out, like I didn't work out for the past two weeks and I was talking to my ex-boyfriend that I love and I was saying <laughs> just love that that's what you I'm never gonna get rid of that. And um and I was like, Oh, I feel so I didn't want to have sex with him because I was like, I just feel so disgusting. I feel so big, I feel so and this isn't like a normal way to think, but I was like, I haven't exercised in a week because I was away in Sydney and I was just eating with Christabel, which is so much fun, which I didn't feel guilty about it. I was just like, oh, I just feel yuck. Mm-hmm. I worked out for the past three days and I'm like sending nudes. I'm like three because days. it's a mindset thing. Yeah. I swear to God, it's like the endorphins that come from feeling strong and healthy that is what it is. Like you, in the same way that like, if I slay a workout, I'll come home and take off my clothes and be like, fucking damn, Gina. Yes. Look at you go. But yes. then in the same way you think- if I eat one pizza, for example, then you look in the mirror and you're like, you fat shit. Yeah, but like you haven't, you look nothing has changed. Same. Like nothing has changed. 100%. It's a guilt thing and a mindset thing that we need mm. to shake loose. Ab- oh, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, I love though, I do love that I know that I can always work out two days in a row and feel better, yeah. but I hate that I can eat poorly for two days and or miss feel, one workout and feel awful and feel and guilty. F- fucking horrendous. Like, yeah. I've been so busy this past couple of months. I've been working out some days, six days, some weeks, six days, some weeks, one day, some weeks, not at all. I'll yep. be traveling. I'm eating really well some weeks and not exercising. I'm, I'm, it's very, I'm not in a routine because yep. I don't have a nine to five anymore. Yeah. So it's not. That would be very hard. It's very, it's very hard to control. Yeah. But that means that every couple of days I'm either feeling like I'm fucking Adriana Lima or I am like the scum of the fucking earth. Yeah. And it's like, it's, I've noticed it more now because I used to go through periods of three or four months, but now I'm like three days, two days, three days, two days. I feel like very good or very bad. Um, and I think it's crazy the way that we, I think it all comes down to toxic language around these foods and around these habits that we think that I worked out two days in a row. So I'm a fucking bad bitch, which you are, but also I ate that burrata and I'm a fucking bad bitch. Exactly. You know and I, I think mean? it comes back to the mindset of I'm not very good at practicing mindfulness, but my psychiatrist told me to separate, to try and separate yourself from the way you're feeling. So if you, for example, eat a pizza and then you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm a fat shit. He told me to say, thanks mind. Fuck off now. Like you literally thank your mind for having that thought, Mm -hmm. but you're like, you have to recognize that that's a thought that's not your reality. I had someone tell me that it's like your thoughts are like you're on like a busy highway and all your thoughts are cars going past you and you don't notice 
all the cars. You know, yeah. it's the car right in front of you. Yeah. Whereas the car doing something weird yes. in the corner. And you have to think of it that way. You can't be acknowledging every single thought because a lot of the time it is fleeting. Yeah. Like when I try and meditate, I, I can't meditate I can't do for it. shit. I, I actually like, cannot do it. Having anxiety, not as m- not as much recently. I go through really weird stages where I'll get yeah. really bad. Then I'll well, be because you're triggered by different things in different periods of your life. It's yeah, it's it's it's. I'm either like I'm either like fucking like suicidal or I'm and I'll be fine for three months. Mary Jane, yeah, literally, and I'm fine. And then I'll be anyway. That's a whole different thing. But because I can't, when I meditate, I try to do that thing. They tell you to think about the cars, and I'm like. I can't fucking do that. But it's much easier in your reality yeah. where you have other stimulus to acknowledge. Yeah, and if you look absolutely. in the mirror and you're like, I look fat. I try now think of like, okay, I – and I hate the fact that I still use the word fat. I know. As a negative it's, thing. Yeah. I hate it. I know. And I'm aware of it. So I want him to be like, fat isn't a bad thing. It's not like I have fat. Like, that's fine. But I think you look like a fat piece of shit. Like I got lingerie the other day and like the stockings like – went really tight on my thigh and I was like, you're like a fucking Christmas ham. Like I was like. Yeah. Yeah. And I I was like, okay, but try and think of something that you, that you think looks good in this. And I'm like, well, my boobs look good. Cool. Yeah. Or like my hair looks nice. I try and, and I that could be deflection. Yeah, but that's. But it's positive deflection. deflection. Yeah. It's like don't look at, don't look at. It's human nature. Like it's like it's like anything. You walk in to inspect an apartment, and the apartment could be a beautiful two-level loft, but your eye goes to the one hole in the wall mm. that's totally fixable, and it doesn't do any detriment to the rest of the apartment. But I feel like as humans, we're almost trained to pick out the flaws. Yeah, absolutely. you just need to. And again, it's it's a it's a lot easier said than done Absolutely. because I'm the same. And when I look in the mirror, I still go to the part of me that gives me the biggest anxiety, which is normally my legs. Because as females, we naturally have the tendency to hold fat in our oh, thighs, yeah. which is an evolutionary thing. We can't help that. Yeah. But don't – and that's what I've tried to re- reframe the conversation. I don't have the skinniest thighs – but I have very strong legs and I can tuck jump you under the motherfucking table. Yes. So now I just try and think like my legs are super strong legs. Yes. They can walk me 15,000 steps a day. I can do 30 burpee tuck jumps in a row. I can do this. Yeah. I can do that. And just try and reframe the conversation you're having with your body. Absolutely. What I've been trying to do as well lately that I think has helped me so, so much. I spoke about this on a few other podcasts. I've tried to like, cause you can take photos of yourself. And you'll take like 40. Uh, wait, yes. More? Yeah. No, initially you take like 40. And yeah. you're like, surely it's in there. <laughs> like, surely the one's in there. And oh, babe, I've got the shot. Oh, babe, I've got Surely it. somewhere. Surely. If I don't, yuck. And you hate all of them. And I literally say, if we don't have it, it's our own faults. So I look through and, I, I, and I'll try and find the best one out of that 40. And I'm still always like, my chin looks big, my nose looks big. I hate my fucking nose. My nose looks big. My. My like my stomach, my waist looks bigger than it actually is, or my stomach doesn't look as toned as it actually is. Whatever. I've now been trying to like maybe try this as homework for yourself, anyone listening, and for you as well, Phoebe. Yeah. If you have any photos that you think are good, but not, but like if you think I can do better, upload the one that you think is good. Yes. Upload the like seven out of ten. So, are we gonna do a challenge? Let's do a little challenge. I feel like we should do an Instagram challenge. Yeah, we put a chat. What were the hashtags? Yes. Um. 
we just discussed for a little while the um the hashtag when I use. So Phoebe thought of this because she's a podcasting genius. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a little baby podcast. Um, but hashtag you got the shot. Show us your photos when you think that you might have got your seven out of ten, but you think you could do better. But we don't want you to do better because no. you are already better. Yep, I'll so upload that one. I want to. I'm going to find. I have you a whole camera roll full of these things. I'll yeah. upload one. You upload one. Yeah. We'll all upload one. Well, I uploaded one the other day and I've been trying to do it for the past maybe like a month or so. Oh, fuck. I just turned my phone back on. There's a million messages. This one, this one, I was like, oh, I can do better than that. Like, um, it's it's not how? leopard lingerie. You look smoking. But I look, but I think I look big. You are crazy. See how crazy is that? I think I look big. But I remember I was like, I got. 20 photos and I was like, okay, um, that like, that's fine. <laughs> I literally was like, that's fine. I'll, I'll just upload it because I feel like I spend way too much time choosing photos. So I think I want everyone to try and upload a photo that they don't think is the best of themselves because honestly, but we want you to prove that you got the it, shot. It makes you feel better. Yes. It makes you feel better. And I've been trying to also send Okay. As well, this is another thing. I send many a nude. This may shock everyone. I'm not very sexual, but I'm very shy. People might be, <laughs> people might be like nervous. I'm like, oh my god, I'd be so shy and like, why is she? <laughs> she's so shy and like, she's very sexual and like, she's very like, um, coy. And like, I know that I am. I'm aware that I'm a, you know, I'm just, I'm like a scared little kitten. But I send a lot of nudes. So, as well, I've been sending a lot of nudes lately to miscellaneous people. Mm-hmm. One of the four Love people that. that in my bio I say the th- those traps are for like four people. Right, there are four people that get nudes right. all the time as well. Um, where I don't like if I feel like a little bit, um, not I don't say fat. If I say a little like a little bit gross, but I haven't worked out in a few days, or if I haven't like fake tan, fake tan is a big thing for me and feeling mm-hmm. better. Um, I will send them nudes at like a weird angle. To prove to myself, and yes. this, this is external validation, this is probably bad, mm-hmm. but it does help me because their reactions are the exact same as if I sent them like a nude that I took like 17 times. Yes, exactly. So I want everyone to like try and like maybe like don't send nudes if you don't like want to. <laughs> and again, I'm just going to give some advice that James Smith PT gave me, mm-hmm. and that is a guy does, he is a very attractive, very fit male. Is he and- single? Yes. Oh, what's he doing? Yes, he lives in Sydney. And he said, it does not matter what a girl looks like underneath her clothes. A guy just looks at the way a girl takes off her clothes. So Ooh. if you take off your clothes with confidence, mm. that is enough for them. You know what? I always have thought since I was literally 15, how all my friends used to say to me like, oh, I'm scared to be naked in front of this guy in case he thinks that I'm fat. Again, that language. Um, in case that he thinks that I'm like unto my cellulite, you don't look that different without your clothes on versus with your clothes on. So no. if you've gotten home with a guy, this, people ask me all the time, like, how do I get more confident having sex with a guy? How do I get more confident being naked around a guy? If a guy has gotten to the point of being at home with you, he finds you fucking attractive. That's enough for him. Yeah, It's enough. And also, <laughs> mum, I hope you're not listening, but when you're having really good sex, your body is pretzeled into weird positions where it's going to give you roles yes. and it's going to make your body oh, look so probably true. a bit unattractive in your so own true. mind. But no one is looking at no that. No one gives a fuck. No, no. And when you're like, when you're writing dick as well. 
Phoebe, Phoebe's podcast is like it's exposing, but it's not as exposing as this. When you're like writing dick as well and like I used to when I was younger be like, oh, I look fat or like my like face looks weird until I had my ex-boyfriend that I love. Um, <laughs> love you. Um, he was like he would just want to make me come and he'd be like, you look fucking hot. Stop, stop being in your head. Stop yep. thinking about it. I can see you're about to come and you get in your head about how you look when you come. Um, okay. Now I just want to talk about the – I know you aren't rec- – you say you aren't recovered, which I – you said it's okay, but I think it is important to note that it's like it's like addiction or it's like depression or anxiety where like I feel fine right now with my anxiety, but I still would say I have anxiety. Can I give you an example of what I would liken it to? Yes. So my doctor has told me because I also – anxiety and depression and whatnot. Mm. My doctor calls them management strategies. Mm. So I don't think you ever kind of like – mental illness is – it's a very – complex and convoluted kind of topic which i think i don't know maybe a letter date we might do another episode maybe. about it i know maybe, maybe. We'll maybe. See probably next week i'll record but it <laughs> i don't i don't think it's it's not a black and white thing where you can say yes i've i've recovered from this i'm okay now i'm perfect it's never going to come back again it's a management strategy mm-hmm. so i think that you you know you kind of have a holistic plan so i see a gp i see a psychologist i have medication blah blah to manage all that stuff but it's kind of like you know, if someone's like got a fear of flying, for example, yeah. they're going to be fine in their day-to-day life, going to work, going to the gym, whatever. But the second they go near an airport, it's going to set them off and their yes. fear is going to come back and they're not going to get on the plane. It's the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you can coax through life, you know, with whatever you're going through. Yeah. And it's fine until you're triggered. Yes. But as long as you have a strategy in place to manage the way you react when you're triggered, it's okay. It's it's just so crazy how something unexpected can trigger you back to where you began. And I guess when it comes to eating disorders, I can imagine one little thing like a comment on your food or like comment on your body or saying your collarbones are good or saying, oh, are you okay? You gained weight. Like either way, commenting mm-hmm. on your body can bring you back to square one in like yeah. Um, like an hour, yeah. you're back to where you were. Like, but sometimes unexpected things happen. And with your with an eating disorder, it's so important to be really careful around conversations with people's eating because one thing can set you off and ruin years of progress. Not ruin it, but... And people think it's people think that you're being dramatic when you say that. Like I know I mm. said before, and I heard myself say it. If I had a piece of pizza, it would make me feel borderline suicidal. Like it would be the end of the world yes. to me, because it was the end of the world to me. It was the end of my world. Yeah, if that makes sense. I remember thinking if Matt to give me a rose in that first time, I would genuinely go home to Brisbane and kill myself. Yeah, but not because of Matt. And not because I was, as everyone said, competitive, because I literally was like my abandonment issues. If this yeah. man hates me, and I would think, I remember I used to think in our ceremonies, this is fucked. I would sit there and think, Matt fucking hates you. Yeah. Matt fucking hates you over and over again. And I never told him this because no. I was like, I was like, he will think that I'm mentally unwell, which obviously I was. But you everything is like catastrophized and that's a symptom of anxiety as well. And when it comes to your eating disorder, it's like I have this pizza, therefore I should die. Absolutely. It's and, a very slippery slope. And mental health is hard enough, but dating with mental health problems <laughs> is another thing altogether. Like I had two boyfriends previously 
who knew I had issues with food because we would get Uber Eats and I wouldn't order anything, but they didn't say anything. They just let it slide. Whereas now if I say I'm not hungry for dinner, that doesn't fly. Oh, love that him. That doesn't fly. Oh, yeah. my God. He's the best. I'm going to marry but him. Because so he excited for winning. Can I be involved? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to listen to the podcast. Throw the pasta. Okay, one more question for you. Tell me. It's, a po- it's not only poll. I mean, we'll see what we think about it. <laughs> um, how, do you, how did you not overcome, because we've just discussed how it isn't something you overcome, but how did you feel like you'd started recovery with the eating disorder from a psychologist? I think it was the sum of a couple of things. So I think that I'm very lucky to have a very supportive group of people in my life who don't shy away from really tough conversations because those kinds of conversations where people call you out on things like that, it's hard to do. Yes. And firstly, my mom, I'm so grateful for my mom for confronting me in a car on the freeway, locked in a seatbelt. I would have died if I tried to escape that conversation. Mm-hmm. And she cared about me enough to, and it was very, it was very taxing on our relationship at the time because I didn't want to see her after that. I didn't want to talk to her. I didn't want to be around her. And it's uncomfortable. It and does. It's, confronting. it's very uncomfortable. It does. And it yeah. changes things. And I didn't want to be in a scenario with people who knew where there was food involved. And that's a lot of your life. That's every social event yeah. is based around eating for me anyway. And even, and even now people who know that you have history with that stuff, like I said before, if I come home one day and I'm not hungry for dinner, people will be like, are you okay though? Like, are you really okay? Like, are you triggered? What's wrong? Are, you re- are you reverting? Like are you, are you sick again? And you're like, no, I just had like seven pieces of pizza at lunchtime. Like yeah. I'm genuinely not hungry. And I just, it's a, it's a catch too because yeah. if people people weren't worried and you were having an issue, you'd kind of be like, well, why didn't you notice that? But then when they do notice it and you're like, I'm fine. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When I'm, same with like my right now with anxiety and depression, like my friends sometimes are like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm just honestly so busy. Yeah. I'm trying to get shit done. Yeah. But it's the same symptoms of what I used to like revert back into myself, exactly. but it was just exactly. that I'm busy. So it's hard to find that line where it's and like. And because even when you do revert, you're still yourself. Yeah, 100%. You're, you're still exactly who you are now. Mm. You just were behaving a little bit mm-hmm. differently and probably a little bit more erratically. But I think that ultimately, like, I think, yeah, recovery and a management strategy is ultimately what helped me. And it was the initial tough conversations with my loved ones, which then my mum dragged me kicking and screaming to a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very long process that I still have to work on now. Mm that I still work on every day and I still, it's probably the wrong thing to say, but I still do have thoughts around food and things like that every single day. Yeah. And it's just something that you have to work through. Yeah. And try and separate yourself from and try and think about your life in other ways. So I think back then I was, you become also very selfish and single minded when you're in something like that because you're not thinking about anybody else. You're just thinking about yourself. But when you have, I don't want to say more to live for, but when you, because I think if you join other places, find joy in other things. Yeah. That's such a huge part of it. Yeah. And you aren't just focusing on that. Well, my joy comes from successfully eating this many calories in a day or body attack tonight. And also what is happiness? It's a, it's a moving part and I don't think anybody ever has happiness Mm -mm. it's not something you can pinpoint or define yeah we all have happy moments in every day but 
happiness is not a constant state. And I think people need to stop striving for to be happy. a constant state of being happy because you'll go about it the wrong way. You'll think, oh, I'll be happy when I wear 50 kilos. Oh, I'll be happy when I look that good on Instagram. I'll be happy when I have abs. That much money. But your bottom dollar, you won't be. No, you won't. Oh, 100%. Like, I remember I used to think, like, because I was a size six for a little while when I was in that weird, this wasn't an eating disorder. This was just, I was so anxious that I couldn't eat when yeah. I was dating my ex-boyfriend that I love. Um, anyway, I love more than anything. Um, but I remember I used to think after I gained the weight back, I'd be like, okay, well, if I was a size six again, he would date me again, which is fucking crazy. We all have those thoughts. But I know that he actually likes me because <laughs> like, it's fucking crazy. But you get to a point where you're like, even like with money, like I'm earning, it sounds like dicky, but like I'm earning more money than I was when I was in a nine to five and I'm doing things that I actually enjoy doing to get that money. And I'm probably the happiest on paper that I ha- ever have been. I have things that I've wanted to always have, uh, but I'm still like, okay, so you've gotten this and then what's next? Yeah. And it's the same for your body and the same for your eating habits. It's like, it's completely insatiable and it's such a good way to think of it the way that you said that you're not having moments every day, but you mm-hmm. aren't constantly happy because everyone has shit days. Exactly. Fucking uh, Kylie Jenner has shit days, mm-hmm. but it's about just like, and this is so cliche. Holy fuck. I've had just a half bottle it. of wine. Just say it. Babe, just say it. Um, just like, like finding what sparks joy for you. No, but in the I, day. I, I like and doing 100% that thing. Understand I agree. I agree. It's just spending your time doing what you enjoy and hanging out with the people that you yeah. enjoy, not people who are going to provoke the triggers yeah. in you. Absolutely. I mean, even at this point, like I know that I will probably never go back to like a nine to five situation. Cause I thought that makes me like fucking pull my hair out. But I think when you get to a certain point, this is about money now, which is fucking a weird place this has gone. But like when you get to a certain point, you're like, okay, cool. Um, I can do this, this, this now. But like every day am I doing something that makes me happy? And in my under five, I fucking wasn't. Yeah. And, and I think that actually the money thing is not necessarily a bad topic to go to because I think money is probably something that's more relatable to majority of people as opposed to people who might be listening who might not have ever had problems with food Mm. and if you're going to a job nine to five that you fucking hate hate and they're paying you heaps of money that money is kind of redundant because you're not even getting to spend the time enjoying the money because you're spending it at work and that's probably having and making you have negative relationships a negative home life it impacts everything whereas if you scale that money back and I don't know, quit your full-time job to do something part-time that you really fucking froth on and you really mm. love. You're not going to be looking for external validation from things that aren't your job. Yeah. Because you're happy. So it's like if you're strict eating every day, you may have the body that you want, but probably not even because yeah. it's completely insatiable. And you'll probably have nothing else. You won't have friends. Nothing. You won't have a partner. You won't have happiness anywhere happiness, else. It's yeah. so true. It's where you to find things that bring joy to you. I know this is much easier said than done. This is much easier being like, just be happy. Like I hate and not, say that. And I hate when people say, write down three things every day that you're grateful for. Well, because I just think that is such an unrealistic way to live and you don't need to write them down to be happy. But I think I understand the sentiment of the gratitude thing. Because just training your mind to be like, oh, yeah, shit's good for me right now. If I had to say three things I was grateful for, it would be like, yeah, 
this fabulous apartment that I live in, this amazing thing that we're doing right now that's mm-hmm. kind of, I guess it's work, but yeah. it doesn't feel like work. No, it's just chat. And three, fucking friendship, man. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, I have beautiful friends. I have... I, my life has changed in a year astronomically from a job that I hated every day that I was going to because I was like, I can make potentially $200,000 a year doing this job if I try and do it for longer. Um, and now I do things that I actually like doing. And I, and I would sacrifice getting paid less than I was at my nine to five to have that freedom. freedom. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it is important to think about like things you're grateful for, but also just look back and think how far you've come because yes. I remember I was in, in, a, in a tropical location of sorts and I was like swimming in the ocean um, and it was the most perfect fucking day and I was a little bit sunburnt and it, we were like jumping off the boat and having drinks and just eating fucking good food and I started crying in the ocean <laughs> No one knows this. It was people that I was with weren't really my friends. Yeah. But I was like crying being like, this is getting deep. But I was like, you imagine were- if I fucking killed myself two years ago. Yeah. Like if I'd killed you were myself. having a massive appreciation moment. Holy fuck. I was yeah. like, if I'd killed myself a year and a half before I applied for the, for the bachelor, I wouldn't be where I was right now. And my life wouldn't have gotten better. And this has gotten to a really weird, deep place, but I think it's like relevant for Absolutely if you're is. in the midst of a fucking eating disorder. I mean, you can speak about this because I'm not, I'm not an eating disorder no, but it's, it's, expert. It's, 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 mental health problems are all, they're all one and the same. It's all linked. And I think when you're in the depths of it, you feel like you can never fucking get out. Like yeah. you feel like you're literally like paddling the and most you can't isolating feeling it's horrendous and but then once you get out of it like that feeling of looking back and seeing like i might i might feel shit right now like i was having a really bad day that day but i was like i might feel bad right now but think about me three years ago now when i wanted to fucking kill myself because of my circumstances and now i'm like I've got everything that I wanted and while that hasn't made me happy, quote unquote, I need to acknowledge like progress and like you should acknowledge progress in your mm-hmm. eating disorder, even though you still think about calories and you still think that could trigger me. But the fact that I could now have toast on the weekends That's and not want to off myself is a huge thing mm. for me. And I remember the first time I ate it, the first person I called was my mum, and she was like, I am so proud of you. Aww. And I was like, the fact that my mum is proud of me for eating bread is so sad, but also really happy, really happy. And just speaks volumes about how far I have come. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I got really deep at the end with suicidal chats, but I mean like, it's real talk. It's real talk. Um, we'll have you back on definitely for uh, a mental health episode because your episode on confession of a train wreck was amazing. Thank you. Plug your shit because I want, I'll do it at the start as well, but do it now just to remind the people. Um, you can find my podcast um, wherever you listen to your podcasts at confessions of a train wreck and on Instagram at Phoebe ACP. A lot of people ask me what that means. Yes. It's my initials, Phoebe and Christina Parsons. That's my name. I Phoebe Akpa. When I read it, I see Phoebe Cap. Really? Yeah. And I always want to, because I know your sister. As, yeah. You know, I was always like, why does Ali's sister, Phoebe, Phoebe Cap. Cap. No, Phoebe ACP. 
Phoebe and it's Christina Parsons. It's all making yeah. sense. And you also host a radio show a radio on sh- Nova. Yes, of course, on Nova. Uh, weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Nova Weekend Breakfast. Tune yes. in, 6 till 9. Phoebe, Weekends. Tom and... Sh- Phoebe, Shad and Tom. Sh- Phoebe, Shad and Tom. That's, that's the order that's it's the in. One. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thanks for I having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers. Woo! <laughs>